Hey everyone, Misaligned is back this week. We are finally going to be discussing our favorite albums of the year. Before we dive into that, though, I want to let you all know that Misaligned is still sponsored by 6131 Records this episode. So we are going to play a new band for you, The Winter Passing, and you will now listen to about a minute of their song, Significance. If you guys enjoyed that song, definitely go check it out, 6131records.com, and I will tell you all more about the label later on in the episode. But right now, Megan, you have 25 albums, and I only scrounged up 15 for this recording so far, and I'm going to be ranking mine on the fly here. Are yours all set, one to ten at least? They are. I released my end of the year list earlier this week. And you can find that on my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed. If you're Facebook friends with me, it's already there. And if you can hear my dogs in the background, I'm (laughs) so sorry, but they just wanted to make their uh, cameo today, which is fine. But yes, I have a list of 25 albums that are ordered from 1 to 20. And then I have five honorable mentions that have gone unranked, but I felt that I should include them in my list. And... As of recording tonight, I don't have my top 50 songs playlist yet. I am still trying to figure out what to order things on, or I might just say, screw it, I'm just going to throw 50 songs on here and not order them at all. But it's hard for me to do that this year because there were so many great albums and great songs that were released. Yeah, I've never really been one to do favorite songs because I just tend to listen to albums top to bottom more than I'd listen to specific songs here and there out of albums. So I just go the album route and rank those. And I'll usually mention some EPs that stand out. And I know for you and I, we both really loved Sammy Lanzetta's EP, which we have brought up many a time here now that 6131 is sponsoring the episode. But, you know, before we tell everyone more about the label and the sponsorship and everything, why don't we just go through our top 10 and then we can continue later in the episode with the rest of the albums on our list. I'm sure I will think of some other ones by the end of this episode, but like I said, I'm ranking them on the fly here. So Megan, why don't you give us your number 10 album first? Well, I figure I should at least talk about Sammy first. (laughs) I was actually chatting with her the other day. And one of her songs from that EP is actually going into my 50 songs list. So I might tweet that out from our account when that goes live. Because we always love to support people who help sponsor us and labels we love. So that's all fun. But as for my number 10 album, 
It is actually the planetarium project that Sufjan Stevens did with Bryce Dessner, Nico Molly, and James McAllister. I like space. I joke that my boyfriend is a space dork and both of us just, we have a weird fascination with it. <laughs> He's more of the science-based guy. I'm more of the dreamer type person. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good combination. But Planetarium, I love it, not just because it's a Sufjan Stevens project, but because the music is spectacular. I can turn it on and I can relax. I can feel like I'm kind of being transported into the inner dimensions of space when I listen to it. And what's actually really cool is that a few weeks ago, I was clearing out files on my computer. And I came across a file that said Planetarium. I was like, well, that's weird. I know I don't have the album on my computer since I do most of my listening via streaming now. So I looked at it and realized, oh, it's a live bootleg of the Planetarium project from years ago. I guess I found it on a Reddit thread forever and a day ago, forgot about it. And here I am re-listening to it because it's awesome. Nice. My number 10 is John Mayer's The Search for Everything, which is an album I feel like was a big album, but not a lot of people will probably have it in their top 10. And it was one that, like Paramore, I really listened to a lot when it first came out. So I feel like just by the fact that I listened to it more than a lot of other albums, I felt like, you know, it should probably get a top 10 spot for me. And Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I have not been fantastic at listening to albums multiple times before, you know, the end of the year because of how many podcasts I listen to. So I feel like anything that I listen to basically multiple times has a good chance for my top 10 at this point. See, I think you and I have a different like ranking thing with ours because these aren't albums that I have played on repeat, save for my number one album. But their albums, like, I took a deep dive into a lot of records this year. And it'll show when we talk about it more in the show a little later. But I do have to say that this year, my list is one of the most diverse I've had in years. I did a little figuring out of stuff. And in my top 20, only nine of the artists are guys. Okay. So... That's pretty impressive. I have, let's see, 11 artists plus 9 is 20. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> basically, I have a lot of female and non-binary artists on my list this year, which rocks. And hopefully I did my math right. But, you know, math is not my strong point. <laughs> At least I have these numbers, so I won't mess that up. My number nine album is actually Soft Sounds from Another Planet by Japanese Breakfast. This is one that I got into later after it was released because it kind of slipped through my radar and I fell in love. I was just like, this is an album that, ugh, I need to see Japanese Breakfast live. And I'm kind of bummed I missed out on them earlier this year. But, you know, that's life. I miss out on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say you have a bit more diversity on your list than I do. And I do have, I believe, four female artists or female fronted bands, at least in my top 10. 
But to be fair, one of the guys in my top 10 has two albums in it. So, you know, it's still just one person there, but two albums because of Chris Stapleton releasing two albums this year. But my number nine pick is actually Sonder by Culprit. They're a local LA band. I know I've mentioned them on here before, probably in recommendations or something like that. So they're, you know, just a pretty straight up rock band. They have really great songs that you can just jam out to really great lyrics and everything to go with it. And I feel like, you know, sometimes I am really bad at keeping up with the local scene in Southern California just because with how LA is, it's like, okay, there are so many bands that say they're local to LA, even if like none of the members are actually from LA. So it's one of those things where there's just so many bands to check out here that it's really nice when you can find a local dependable band that you can count on to consistently release great music. That's true. And actually, I'm going to go back to the Chris Stapleton thing here for a minute because he is on my list as well. But for the sake of, you know, he released two records, volume one and two. I just combined them into one. It's actually kind of similar to when Kevin Devine released Bubblegum and Bulldozer, which sonically are two different records. But for the sake of brevity or whatever on my list a few years ago I put them both on just essentially same release so it's interesting how these things work but going to my number eight record is Stranger in the Alps by Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers has gotten a lot of acclaim. She has really made a name for herself this year and everyone from like Mandy Moore to a bunch of my friends who don't even listen to this podcast, have talked about how great Stranger in the Alps is. And as I mentioned last week in our Christmas music episode, she has a version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is also very good. 2018 is going to be awesome for her. And I know she just announced a tour. And I don't think it's coming anywhere near me, unless I want to drive to D.C. or Baltimore. I have to look at the routing again, but oh, please go listen to this album if you have it. It is so good. Just, oh, I have all the feels about it. Yeah, and that album is actually also my number eight. So that works out nicely there. We have one album in common so far, plus later on the Chris Stapleton albums. You know, now I'm kind of tempted to put those two together, though, and squeeze something else in here. Maybe I'll do that. We'll see. I'll have to, you know figure that out within the next 10 minutes or so here. But I certainly agree with you that Phoebe Bridgers is just one of those artists that you find out about and you just want to know what's next from her. And I believe it was Jacob Tender who kept telling a bunch of people to listen to this album. And that's how I first heard about her. How did you first hear about this album? You know what? I think it was honestly word of mouth through other people. It was making its rounds across various social media feeds through what I follow. And it just has been getting a lot of acclaim. Even I think Taylor from Dawes was talking about how good it is. And I know that James from the Modern Vinyl Podcast has also put it in his end of the year list as well. So it's something that appeals to everyone, no matter what you listen to, which I think is really cool because you have people who literally listen to a 
ton of different genres that seem to be more set in other ones that are coming to this album and being like, wait a minute, this is actually awesome. I want to hear more. Yeah. And you mentioned that she'll be having a big 2018. And, you know, I'm going to have to look at that tour, too, because I have no idea if she's coming over here. (laughs) I mean, this is the week for a bunch of 2018 records to be announced, which I might actually talk about in a bit at the end. But it's also for the tours to be announced. And I know Sorority Noise just announced a big one with Remo Drive, which I'll talk about Sorority Noise later. But going into my number seven, Priests. I've talked about them on this podcast before. I have talked about my love of Katie Alice Greer. And nothing feels natural at number seven. It felt like a good spot to have that on there. It's a DC band who I think kicks total ass. And oh my gosh. one. Of, it's also one of those, if you haven't listened to them why haven't you type things because they go into a bunch of different issues within their music i know that nothing feels natural was more of a upbeat not in terms of lyrics or anything but just the tone compared to what i've heard from them in the past and i know in the past they've definitely tackled a lot of political stuff so you should give priests a chance If you haven't listened to them, because I think 2018 will also be a big year for them in terms of breaking out beyond D.C. and the East Coast. Yeah, I will admit that I have not listened to that album yet. I think you told me to in one of the episodes. I'm really bad at doing these things when I say I'm going to while we're recording and then by the end I just totally forget about it. You know what? I'm pretty sure that I had it as a recommendation at one point, too. I know for a fact I've talked about how just awesome this band is on this podcast. So it might be worth going back into the archives and taking a listen to me ramble on about the band. (laughs) Yeah, so I went ahead and did some rearranging on the fly here. So I am going to do what you did with Chris Stapleton and just put them both in one selection there. Because really, it does feel like, you know, a full effort between the two albums they're not drastically different to where it doesn't sound like you know just something chris stapleton did all at once so on that note father mountain's apartment living squeezed into my top seven here with my seventh pick and this was an album that becky kovach sent me over at big picture media and i hadn't heard anything about this band before but after having her send me the singles and then an advance of the album, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and listen to this. And it was just a really solid album, top to bottom. Have you heard of these guys or are you unfamiliar? I don't think I have heard of those guys, actually. Yeah, I think you dig them. I wouldn't necessarily say they're exactly like sorority noise or anything, but they're certainly in that genre. And, you know, they would fit in well with a bunch of those similar bands. I'll probably have to check them out. Yeah, I'll have to find a song on YouTube or something and send it over to you to check out. But what is your number six pick? That is actually From a Room, Volume 1 and 2 nice. by Chris Stapleton. Nice. I combined the albums because I wasn't going to have one artist have two albums like at two different parts of my list. I, I just thought, you know, they feel like a good cohesive album together. 
And Volume 2 is the newest release on my list solely because it was officially released within the last two weeks. I know I'd been listening to it for a while because it was on NPR's first listen. And, ugh, he's everywhere. He really is. Yeah. I saw him at the concert for Charlottesville a few months ago. And just hearing him perform some of these songs live just blew me away. You know, he had a small set and it was still me and a bunch of people in the football stadium, but it was still cool to see. And it's interesting that Chris Stapleton is actually an artist that my boyfriend decently enjoys, as well as his best friend slash roommate, um... When we saw him at that show, you know, they snuck in some tiny airplane bottles of booze to drink because I don't think uh, my boyfriend wanted to deal with Ariana Grande. But someone behind them said, oh, man, you're getting out the good stuff for Chris Stapleton, aren't you? And you could just tell everyone was excited. But I think that I think that this is actually a different album in my list Um, The big thing about my list this year is that not only is it ridiculously diverse, but it features a lot more country Americana artists. And in previous years, that's something that really hasn't been done as much with my lists. But this was the year. And it's awesome. Yeah, I actually have a similar artist for my number six pick. And that is, I want to say it's called Puxico by Natalie Hemby. I have zero clue if I'm even pronouncing that album title correctly, but this was a recommendation from Craig Manning, the resident go-to for any, you know, country folk Americana recs that I'm usually looking for because he doesn't focus too terribly much on mainstream country. So when I'm looking for something that doesn't sound like pop country, I go ask him what he's been listening to basically. And this was one of his recommendations from earlier in the year. And I just really enjoyed her sound and her songwriting abilities. Craig always has some solid recommendations and he's a good person to talk to if you need a recommendation in that realm. Yeah. So shout out to Craig. You're awesome. We've hit top five territory now. This is where my list got sort of really difficult. I was literally just sitting here right now writing in my top five. And I was like, these could kind of all go either way with the exception of my number one pick, which was the only thing I was sure of before we started this. This is actually the list part where I had to do a lot of shuffling around before I released my official list. There were five releases this year that I absolutely loved and immediately knew would be it would be hard to kind of order them all. Probably shouldn't have ordered them, but, you know, here I am ordering them. Yeah. And with that, my number five pick is actually Out in the Storm by Waxahachie. Okay. What's really cool is Katie Crutchfield and Allison Crutchfield both make an appearance on my list in some form or another. So to have siblings on there, it rocks. I mean, this is what happened last year with Beyonce and Solange. But Out in the Storm, it was solidified definitely in my top 10 after I saw Katie do a little intimate three-song set for um, some WNRN members. And, oh man, I almost cried. (laughs) 
today and Megan has almost cried during live musical performances. We have hit the number of, I think, five times this year. Five? Seems a little low, but you know. <laughs> Nothing says, ah, music is wonderful, like me nearly sobbing to Katie Crutchfield performing a little bit live and acoustic when they're literally right in front of you. A little bit is also one of my favorite songs from this year and ugh, 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 so good. But Out in the Storm definitely has a different feel sonically as well. The album features a lot more heavy guitars, heavy emphasis on the electric guitar too, and is a little bit different from the other albums that Katie's written. So if you haven't listened to Out in the Storm yet, I highly recommend giving it a listen because it rocks. Yet another thing you told me to listen to that I didn't get around to yet. (laughs) See, you're going to have so much to listen to by the time we're done with this episode. (laughs) I literally have a list of, I want to say like 20-ish albums that I still need to get to. So I am just going to write these two down. It was Waxahachie and Priest, yes. Yes. Don't mind me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're fine. I know that on my initial list of just coming up with what came out this year, I know I missed a few releases. So that's also why I have the top uh, top 50 songs to kind of rectify that, because there were definitely a lot of albums I missed a full listen to, and I will give them a full listen to at the end of the year, but I don't think it'll actually change the way that I have things ranked. Yeah, I think if anything, most of the ones that I have left to listen to would just make an honorable mentions list since I only rank top 10 and even that is difficult for me. But on that note, my number five album, I'm pretty sure this is somewhere on your list, but it's Turn Out the Lights by Julian Baker. Ah, I was was actually re-listening to this earlier today. I didn't get all the way through the album, but I got through enough of it to where I was like, yeah, I remember when I sat down and listened to this for the first time, and I just really enjoyed it. And she's such a strong songwriter, too. I was certainly late to the game with Sprained Ankle. You know, everyone was talking about that album in our circles, it seems, and on the chorus forums and everything like that. And I was like, okay, I'm finally going to sit down and just give this a proper listen. So when Turn Out the Lights came out this year I was like okay yeah I know I'm going to listen to this at some point maybe it won't be you know super early because I don't get advances for her stuff or anything but it was one of those releases where the week it came out I was like okay I need to pay attention to this sooner rather than later oh yeah and I'm actually going to go a little more in depth in that album a little later on because it is definitely my top five I loved it I cried to it you know that's all I'm going to say about that I'm going to go into my number four album, which I'm pretty sure is somewhere on your list as well, but it is You're Not As Blank As You Think by Sorority Noise. I mentioned that they're going out on their 2018 tour with Remo Drive, and that's also going to feature an artist called Jelani Say. So I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not, and I apologize. But again, Sorority Noise has consistently put out some amazing releases, I can't even begin to describe any of my top 10 lists without one of their releases being in it in the past few years. Joy Departed definitely made it into my list, I believe, what, two years ago? Two years ago sounds about right. 
and you're not as blank as you think actually blew me out of the water when I heard it. I think it is the strongest record that the Sorority Noise crew has put out to date. And I just, I don't know. It has gotten me through a lot of stuff this year. It's, which is also a common theme, definitely with my top four, is it's been a rough year on me just mentally. And it's been so draining and it's been a dumpster fire of a year. But then you have artists that release amazing things and remind you of why the world isn't fully a flaming dumpster fire. And I don't know. I'm hoping to see these guys in March of next year. I'm pretty sure it's March. Yes, in March. And seeing Remo drive for the uh, third time. But there's something about the way that Cam rates everything that's just fantastic. And also on the record is a second letter to St. Julian, if I'm looking at this track listing correctly. But it is an ode to Julian Baker. And while I am talking about Julian Baker, perfect segue, you know, from your list to sorority noise, but Cam also worked on Turn Out the Lights. And I think that's important to note. You know, he didn't have a super strong presence across it. Like, he doesn't do guest vocals or anything like that. But let me see if I can find it. I have the... Maybe I don't have the thing. I had at one point um, what songs he worked on on Turn Out the Lights, which was really cool. And I don't think I can find it right now. But he's on there. I think it it's definitely he's on appointments. And there was something else he was on. I just can't pull up the picture, which kind of sucks. Maybe I shouldn't be using um, Messenger on my phone while trying to look up things. <laughs> There's got to be a way to find it. Anyway, yes. Let's just continue on. What's your number four? This is where I have Chris Stapleton down because he's certainly been a powerhouse in country since his release of Traveler. And I feel like while I really enjoyed that album, these two volumes of From a Room just really felt like a step above that. And I, I feel like that's a weird thing to say because that album did so well and it had you know so many radio songs on it so many hits on it but this it felt like you know he's certainly in his comfort zone and he's not going to change how he writes songs or you know how he comes across in his singing just to fit more of the mainstream sound and I know he's written songs for Luke Bryan and a bunch of the mainstream guys who sort of have a very similar sound to each other at, at times, you know, like the bro country definitely all sort of sounds the same at some point. But this is so unique right now for what is coming out of mainstream country. You are absolutely right there. I mean, I was actually listening to him earlier today. And I will gladly take Chris Stapleton and his cowboy hat over Luke country and bro country any day. <laughs> but that's just me. I don't like bro country. <laughs> um, anyway, what are we at? Number three now? Yes. Yeah. I'm assuming this might also make an appearance on your list as well. But I have Melodrama by Lord. So fun little fact about my list in general and particularly this record. 
I posted my list to Facebook a few days ago, and I had some interesting Facebook comments um, from people I know in the fencing community. One is a dad of some young children, and he said about my list, I recognize all of these words as being from the English language. That is literally all I know. So I said, well, if your kids are a little older, you'd be hearing a lot of Lord or Paramore in your house and maybe even some Harry Styles. And then he said, oh, wait, I do know Lord. I think she sings something while mumbling. <laughs> and then another person said, well, you know, I would move bleachers way up because I love me some bleachers and replace Harry with either, either Liam Payne or Niall Horan, both of whom I think produced more interesting post One Direction work this year. So I said to her, oh, don't get me wrong, I love bleachers too. I mean, I had to include them. But you can hear Jack Antonoff's influence on Lord's album. And, okay, that homemade dynamite remix that she did with SZA and just everyone. Oh my god, I love it so much. But Melodrama as a whole is a great follow-up to her last record. It is oh my gosh, the songs are so powerful. You can feel the emotion. Green Light was a single that took me a while to really fall in love with. But, you know, sometimes first singles released aren't as strong as the rest of the album. You've got songs like Writer in the Dark and The Louvre and just, well, Homemade Dynamite. And when you put them all together, it turns into a powerful record. And I'm also glad that Melodrama has been nominated for Album of the Year for the 2018 Grammys. That's awesome because that shows that, you know, the Academy loved the record, shows how much people actually truly loved it, and the fact that she's going up in a category with a bunch of hip-hop artists and guys. She is the lone female in that category, and it's impressive. It really is impressive. I want to go listen to it again right now, so that's <laughs> where I'm at. I think I might disappoint you a little with Sorority Noise and Lord both not being in my top 10, but they're certainly honorable mentions because, like I said, there are so many albums that I don't really like even ranking a top 10, and it's very difficult because I just enjoy so many different genres. It's like, okay, do I try to make my list as diverse as possible just because that's what my music tastes are like or do I just put you know what I listen to the most and I think this year it turns out that what I listen to the most also happens to be somewhat diverse <laughs> that's a plus there but my top three here I think at least one of these will end up in your top three I'm assuming our number one might possibly be the same but for me number three is jason isbell and the 400 units the nashville sound he is an artist that again was a recommendation from craig manning so i just have craig to thank for like half of my list here probably you know so this album it just really grabbed me and i went back and listened to all of his albums so that craig and i could actually do a podcast on his work up through the Nashville sound. And so because of that podcast, I was listening to the album quite a bit just so I could get a feel for the latest release. And then I was listening to all of his older stuff. So I really, you know, went through a Jason Isbell kick for a bit. And I think that's sort of why this album ended up so high on my list. 
See, that actually ended up at number 13 on my list. But when you look at what I have, it was harder for me to rank stuff yeah. in the top 10. It, it was really hard. But I enjoyed it, much like I enjoyed the Record Store Day release that my boyfriend copped for me this year, which I'm still really happy about because he said it was the last copy in the store. Nice. But anyway, my number two record is actually Turn Out the Lights by Julian Baker. I finally found the thing I was looking for, too. But as soon as I heard the album in full, I was moved to tears. Which, of course, isn't unusual for someone who listens to Julian Baker. Having her album be in the top five was also solidified during A Prairie Home Companion on the same show with Chris Stapleton. Which, look at that. But it is an amazing album. And it has some Richmond ties, which is really cool. I mean, not just because Julian's been on 6131, but because she actually had some recording for Claws in Your Back done in Richmond, of all places. And Claws in Your Back is a strong closer for a record. Like, my God. I have a thing with ending songs on records, and I just... If it ends on a powerful song, I'm going to love the album more. I don't know why. It's always been a thing with me. That's how it is. But going back to what I was saying earlier, where I was looking for Cam's involvement with this record. He helped engineer part of the record, which I think a lot of people figured out based on social media posts. But he also performed the clarinet and saxophone on Over and Appointments. If I'm thinking of this correctly, Over is actually the opener to the album, which is an instrumental track, which blends perfectly, seamlessly even, into appointments. And I can't say that an album that makes me cry is automatically going to be number one on my list. So, you know, it, definitely if an album makes me cry, it makes it in the top five. <laughs> <Comes> <laughs> Just going off close. of historical trends of... Um, what I have ranked over the years. But another thing is if you liked Turn Out the Lights, you might be interested in checking out Frightened Rabbit. They did a song with Julian called How It Gets In, which is also fantastic and was released this year, which is a nice compliment to Turn Out the Lights as well. Yeah, and my number two album is After the Party by the Menzingers. I certainly feel like they are my favorite punk band at the moment because, you know, I really love The Clash and The Ramones. And, you know, sometimes those bands get labeled as pop punk, which sort of baffles me, but <laughs> that's besides the point. And The Menzingers just released a really solid album and they did it really early in the year. So I feel like maybe some people forgot about this. I know for me, anything that comes out in January and February, I have to sort of make note of it and remember it by the end of the year because as you know a lot of 2017 sort of blends together and last year it's just like you know every everything's a mess and it's hard to remember exactly when a bunch of albums come out especially when it happens so early in the year i mean that's true a lot of albums that came out definitely earlier in the year didn't really make it into my top 20 I guess you could say. Yeah. Except for one exception, but that's number 20. <laughs> it's hard, like, when you listen to so much. Yeah. 
and you talk about a lot of music, everything does tend kind of seem to blend together. Not so seamlessly. And this is just a really fun album, though, too. So I think that's why it stuck with me and I put it so high on my list. And it helps that I did listen to it a lot when it came out. See, that's the difference between you and I is I was a little disappointed by this record. And here you are absolutely loving it. But I don't know. Maybe just me. (laughs) My number one, which I'm pretty sure is also your number one is After Laughter yes. by Paramore. <laughs> Certainly is. So we can both yes. just talk about this. Since, so that means we've had two albums rank the same on our list. This and Phoebe Bridgers yeah. at number eight. Like we have both just talked endlessly about this album and how good it is. Yeah. And I am kind of bummed it got snubbed at the Grammys because it does deserve to maybe be up there. This is some of the strongest writing I think Haley has done. It is just amazing. And actually, same person who was talking about bleachers on my or on my uh, Facebook post said that Paramore is an interesting choice for number one, but I'm okay with that. When I expanded on a conversation with her about After Laughter, I was like, 26 is easily one of my favorite songs this year, which is true. It's not just because I'm 26 right now. It's because 26 is such an emotionally powerful song and it's just so good. And I mean, I have it in my Facebook bio for obvious reasons. Um, (laughs) But I let her know that they did a tiny desk for NPR, which we've also talked about and how cool that was. And she was like, oh, I actually didn't know that. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Which makes me believe that the... People who find that Paramore is an interesting choice might not have taken a deep dive into After Laughter, and they're still thinking of Paramore as that band that put out Misery Business. So going back to the Riot era, they've come a long way. And I think you'd agree with me there, like definitely coming a long way from the Riot years to now. Like Haley's glow up is real. I think their progression, too, has been certainly in one of the most positive directions that I've seen a band on a label like Fueled by Ramen take because, you know, you have Fallout Boy and they certainly have their own progression from, you know, Take This to Your Grave up through, I don't even know what the last album is. I feel like they've released so many things. They have Mania coming out, don't they? Or it already came out. I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. Fall Boy has fallen off my radar. I just haven't, you know, been fond of everything that's been released lately by them. So they have something going on. So there is that. They're certainly still around and they have a ton of albums to sort of show how far they've come. And with Paramore, they don't have quite as many albums as Fall Out Boy, but I feel like they've done a really great job of really putting a ton of focus into their albums and really making it an experience top to bottom and I know I certainly felt that way when their self-titled album came out too and this one just sort of really emphasized on that even more admittedly I slept on the self-titled until you know after it was released and then I was like oh this is good (laughs) but yeah after laughter who doesn't love anything that comes after laughter because after you laugh you're always beaming you're always in a great mood even if you're laughing at really tragic videos, if you're like my brother, who seems to enjoy finding the humor in weird deaths, but you know, that's him. 
Yeah. Let me tell you all about 6131 Records more before we get into the rest of Megan's list and my honorable mentions list that is by no means complete because there's just so many things to listen to. But this episode of Misaligned is sponsored by 6131 Records. We mentioned before they got their start in Southern California and now they're over in Megan's neighborhood. So, you know, we have some strong ties to this label here and they have a ton of great albums in their back catalog. We've talked a bunch about Sammy Lanzetta's For Avery EP and you heard Significance by The Winter Passing earlier in the episode, which is off of their release, Double Exposure. You have Kindling's Hush coming up. There are just so many great things to say about this label. And we already mentioned Julian Baker on our list. And while that album isn't the one that was on 6131 Records, they initially released Sprained Ankle, which really blew up and took her to a next level in her career, which is always great to see. And they just have such a great team behind the label too. And I think that's something that a lot of people maybe don't really actively think about because a lot of people are focused on the music, not necessarily who is behind the curtain putting out all of this music and everything like that. And, you know, 6131 has a great team. We definitely love interacting with them, checking out new music every time they send something our way. And Megan, I think I definitely can speak for both of us in that respect. Oh my gosh, yeah. Honestly, the 6131 team are some of the nicest folks I have worked with. And I'm not saying that because they're sponsoring our podcast. I am saying that genuinely because every interaction I've had with their staffers has been an extremely positive one. So that's always fun. And when I bump into some of them at shows in Richmond, it's always nice having a good chat with them and everything. So thank you, 6131. You're doing awesome. Yeah, and I should note that Kindling's Hush actually is already out, so it's it's not a pre-order. You can go listen to that, so <laughs> that is my bad, and like Megan said, definitely check them out. You can do so at 6131records.com. We'll have that link to in the show notes over on modern-vinyl.com, so you don't have to worry about memorizing that, even though it's really easy because it's just the label at .com. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, but... Going back to our list now, you have your top 25 planned out, yes? Yes. I'm not going to go into as much detail as I have with the top 10 for obvious reasons, but I touched upon the Nashville sound being number 13. I have Margot Price's All American Made at number 11. That's one I have on my list to listen to still because I believe it was Rolling Stone that released their top 50 or top 40 country Americana folk albums of the year. And I went through that list and again, went back to Craig and was like, hey, what would you recommend I listen to off of this? And I had already written down All American Made by Margot Price, and he gave me additional ones to listen to, one of which was Every Little Thing by Carly Pierce. And I did give that a listen a few days ago, and it's instantly made my honorable mention section. Oh my gosh, I just love Margot Price. So like, it was hard to have her right outside of the top 10. But I also have The Nationals Sleep Well Beast at number 12. Very solid album. If you haven't listened to it yet, y'all should go listen. 
And then going into number 14, it's A Deeper Understanding by The War on Drugs. And I think I just saw that The War on Drugs will be one of the headliners for XPN Fest this year, which takes place in Philadelphia, is really cool. Who doesn't love great festivals? Like, they are announcing the festivals now, which rocks. But yes, The War on Drugs will definitely be headlining at the 2018 XPN Fest in Philadelphia. So if you haven't checked them out yet either, they're worth checking out as well. I mentioned that Harry Styles was on my list, and he is there at a solid number 15. I also said to this lady that if his floral suits had made an album, they would be on the list as well. So shout out to Harry's awesome floral suits. They get an honorable mention on my list for not even having an album release, (laughs) just for being awesome. But this one made the list solely because I enjoyed it a lot and because of how different it was from his One Direction days. We did an earlier podcast about this, I know, where we, mostly me, (laughs) talked about this drastic difference. So it's also worth a listen. And the final one, two, three, four, five songs on my list. Well, records, not songs. (laughs) My God. Too many lists you've made. (laughs) I know. It's dark outside. My mind is just like, goodbye. Dark at 520 p.m. (laughs) It's 620. Yes. Sorry. Yep. Yep. But Infinite Worlds by Vagabond is at number 16 on my list. And Vagabond is an artist whom I wish I had seen live this year as well. I think I told my brother to go check them out when they were performing at the Golden Pony in Harrisonburg when he was living like three floors above the Golden Pony. Did he do that? No. (laughs) But Infinite Worlds was a very good album. And I know that that has kind of been making its rounds on a lot of the modern vinyl staffers lists. I believe I saw it on James's. I think I saw it on Mike's as well. And here it is on mine. Then we've got Swear I'm Good at This by Diet Sig, Black Mile to the Surface by Manchester Orchestra, New Kind of Normal by Kayatana, and shout out to Kayatana for opening for the Hold Steady a few weeks ago. That is an awesome gig right there. I think it was in Philly too. But yeah, no, New Kind of Normal rocked. I think we talked about that a bit in an earlier episode. And then my 20th favorite record of the year was Zombies on Broadway by Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness has actually just announced the Pen and Piano Tour, where he will be taking on an acoustic, intimate setting, kind of, depending on how big your venue is and if there's seating or not. Uh, He will be taking Bob Oxblood, who I believe is Bobby Raw from Jack's Mannequin, Alan Stone, and I think someone else as well on tour with him. But the pen and piano tour is going to rock. I already have my tickets to that. They came in the mail today. So I will be seeing Andrew for the fifth time at the Jefferson in Charlottesville, where I don't even think they can fit a piano in there. I don't know how this is going to go, because if I have to listen to it on a keyboard, I might be slightly disappointed. But Yes, Zombies on Broadway. It also has one of my favorite songs from this year called Birthday Song and Loving Great Buildings. So I have to figure out which of those two will actually go on my list because I don't want to have repeat artists. 
Yeah, my honorable mentions list is certainly incomplete here. I already mentioned Carly Pierce and Sorority Noise and Lord being on it. And I have, I want to say, five or six others right now on it, which I'll just run through quickly here. Because some of them are albums you've already mentioned, like Manchester Orchestra. So that's on there. But then I also have Gone Now by Bleachers. I want to say it's pronounced Collection 2 by Allie X because it's just a big X in the middle of the word. So I'm going with Collection. That seems right. The Thrill of It All by Sam Smith. Damn by Kendrick Lamar. And that's all I have right now as far as albums go. I probably will listen to a few more things in the next week or so here because we're recording this. It's December 13th. So it's a week before the episode's actually going to be hitting your ears here. So I'm sure by then I will have a couple others. And if I think of them, we'll be sure to toss them in the show notes and just make note of, hey, you know, these were on Deanna's list, but she didn't talk about them. Yeah, like I think if I was doing a top 30, damn, definitely would have been in there as well. But Gone Now is also one of my honorable mentions, as is Pure Comedy by Father John Misty who is an artist that seems to have a polarizing fan base. You either really love his music or you really don't, which is kind of interesting because I listen to a few artists that I love that a lot of people don't like. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, Alison Crutchfield's Taurus in This Town also makes that list. Guppy by Charlie Bliss is on here as well. And American Dream by LCD Sound System. Those are definitely the five that I wanted to include, and they feel like a good fit in the honorable mentions for me and when you mentioned the sam smith record i thought that was a disappointment this year i don't know it just wasn't as strong as his debut i thought so i kind of just left it off my list altogether (laughs) yeah i would agree that it wasn't as strong but i feel like it was still something that was intensely personal for him and i just he could sing anything and I would probably listen to it. I feel like it's very similar to when Adele releases an album. You know her voice is going to sound great. It's just a matter of, you know, whether or not you catch on with the album right away or if it's something that takes a little more time for you to warm up to or something like that. That's true. But hey, we've got our seven or our 1720. Wow. Our 2017 favorite records or records that we've at least given a listen to this year which I think is cool and it's a good thing to look forward to for 2018 with everything being so strong this year what's next year gonna bring yeah I mean Lucy Dacus has announced a new album coming out which I'm stoked for Casey Musgraves is releasing an album in 2018 that apparently is taking on a different feel. So she might be straying a little from her country roots with that. Yeah. And I saw that she was fangirling about Ezra Koenig freaking out about her. <laughs> so that rocks. I know we already mentioned For Avery by Sammy Lanzetta multiple times here, but I just want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to two other EPs that I enjoyed, one of which was Deserter by Mansions. And there was this EP called James by Phoebe Ryan. I don't know if you've heard of her. She was another one that I sort of kept hearing her name pop up on Twitter or in the forums or something like that. But I think you'd certainly be into that EP if you haven't listened to it yet. It sounds familiar, honestly. Something's definitely 
quick and <laughs> Yeah, but on that note, do you have any recommendations for the week? I do. Awesome. You should all check out the Tanya Harding EP by Sofyan Stevens. I feel like a lot of my recommendations this year have been Sofyan related, but you know, I love Sofyan. There's no denying that. The Tanya Harding EP actually consists of two songs about Tanya Harding that are the same. However, he did release them in two different keys, which is really cool. So both songs, same lyrics, same takeaways from both, but to hear them in two different keys is really impressive. So we've got Tanya Harding in D major and Tanya Harding in E flat major or E. I want to say it's E flat because Spotify has it as E B major. And I don't think that there's actually an E B and I think that that should be a flat symbol. Anyway, yes, Tanya Harding in, you know, it's not, I don't even think it's a part of the I Tanya movie that was just released with, um, Oh, what's her face? I am totally blanking on her name. Margot Robbie. There we go. The I, Tanya movie with Margot Robbie. Yeah, I heard about that, but I have not seen the movie or listened to that because I honestly haven't really listened to him all that much. And I know you talk about him a ton, but just something I have not gotten around to. But I actually have a very different recommendation. It's certainly not music related in the slightest. I somewhat recently made myself a reading order for comic books because I kept staring at my shelves not knowing what to read or you know browsing through Marvel Unlimited not knowing what to read so I just sat down one day and listed out a bunch of comics and started reading them in that order and one of the ones I read recently was Witches that is Witches with a Y I read the first volume of that it is by Scott Snyder who had a huge Batman run and still has a huge Batman run going with DC right now. But this is something that's on Image Comics. And it was just so interesting. But I will warn you, if you do not like horror comics, you will not like this at all. So unless you are a horror fan, I don't think this will be for you. So if you are good with a little gore here and there and some craziness going on in the comics definitely check out Witches. It was a fantastic read. Sounds like something I wouldn't totally be into because of the horror thing, but you never know. Yeah, there's lots of like woods involved, and, you know, typical things that you find in horror stories and movies. I guess you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our end of the year podcast. Like I said before, we are certainly going to be working on that new season. We just wanted to bring you all a few episodes to tide you over and sort of close out the end of the year here. I'm guessing it's more likely that we will be back to start 2018 with the new season, just so it's sort of, you know, nice and evenly placed in one year. (laughs) Yes, evenly placed one year. Our upcoming season is going to be awesome. Yeah, and we will definitely announce it on Twitter once we have a few episodes under our belt. So don't need to worry. We will update you when everything is all good to go on that and when we announce what the season is going to be about. I don't think we want to give that away just yet. So keep your eyes peeled for that and enjoy the holidays, everyone. Hope you guys get all the things you want this year. I don't think I'm getting a hippopotamus, but that's okay. Hey, you can try. 
<laughs> you can try. I know. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to Misalign throughout 2017 and anytime previously. You know, we've been around for a little while here now, but I think this year was definitely a solid run for the podcast. So, you know, and thank you to Megan for being my co-host all year long. Yes. Thank you for being my co-host as well. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.